Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12. That we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. We just ask you to touch our hearts and open our minds. Help us be what we need to be, Lord. We thank you for your word. We ask you for the blessing of the reading of your word. And we'll give you the praise and glory and honor in all things. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. We've been looking in Ephesians, all things that are His. Uh, we said His will, His grace, His blood. Today we're going to look at His glory this morning. We're living in a day that a lot of glory is given to men. A lot of glory is given to ministries and good causes. But this morning there's one, no place that is more worthy of glory and honor and praise this morning than God of glory and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say this morning, God will allow you to see a lot of His glory. We can shout about His glory. God allow us to be surrounded by His glory. But I want you to understand something this morning. God will not share His glory. Can I say that we come into this place not to give any glory to anybody else, but we come to glory and honor and praise the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. If you have any other itinerary this morning, then you're in the wrong place. Paul said, for him and though him and him all things to whom be glory forever. Bible said that no man should, no flesh should uh, glory in the presence that according is written that is a glory, let him glory in the Lord. Revelation said, uh, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that uh, was slain to receive power and riches and home and strength and honor and glory and blessings. We are to give the glory to Jesus Christ this morning because he is worthy. So many Christians are living in an uncaring uh, life about the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't want to bring Him glory this morning. When I say if you are saved by the grace of God, God expects your life to bring Him glory this morning. And magnify Him with everything that you are. We didn't dress up to bring glory in. It's already here in Him. We're trying to live our life and to worship to bring Jesus glory this morning. We live in a time where everybody wants to live their life to bring themselves their own glory. Just, to, just take a look at Facebook. It's all about me. It's all about me. And you'll see what I mean. Most of the time on, on, uh, where we uh, go and, and what we do and how we do it and where we do it at, it's all about us this morning. But if you're saved this morning, your life is no longer about you. But your life should be all about Him. 
and what brings Him glory this morning. If you're living a life that brings His glory this morning, you're living for His glory. And I like to just speak just for a little bit about living in life for His glory this morning. I'll give you three quick, short things, and we'll just go on home. This All right, uh, we're talking about His glory, living for His glory this morning. Uh, first thing, because we have been delivered... Uh, in verse 12, it says that we should be praised of His glory who first trusted Christ. He has been talking about being saved. And we've been talking about having redemption through His blood. We have the forgiveness of sin. God saved us. We have been washed by the blood. We have been accepted into the beloved. So what does God expect us to do? Verse 12. We should be to the praise of His glory who trusted Christ Jesus. Our lives should bring glory to Him. Why? Because He redeemed us. Leave your Bibles open. I'm going to look in some view, uh, other chapters. Look with me at Luke chapter 17 this morning. Luke chapter 17 this morning. Verse number 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem and he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And he entered into a certain village there he met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that they went, they, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered him and said, were, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? That's the church today. Can I tell you that? That's the church today. You, you see, what would make a man shout with a loud voice and fall down at the feet of Jesus? I'll tell you what would do that. This man was delivered. I don't know if you know much about the leprosy, but if you lived your life with the disease, as long as these guys had lived their life, it, it would make you want to give him the glory this morning. Leprosy is a disease that starts on the inside and it works its way to the outside just like sin does. It starts small just like sin does. It's just a spot on the skin. It's just a spot in your life. And they go and show it to the priest and say, we got to keep an eye on this. And as they watch it, it gets bigger and bigger. And he says, you're unclean. You've got to go outside the town. You've got to go to that leper colony. And when he tells them that, they can no longer go to their family. They can no longer see the house, uh, the wives, or the kids. And they can no longer go into the temple and worship God because of the leprosy. The leprosy works its way to the outside. 
it would begin to rot their skin. It, it would eat out their nose and their ears and they'd fall off. It's not a pretty sight. Their fingers would start falling off. They would take and wipe their skin, uh, the pus of the skin, and they wipe it on the rag. I want you to get this. They wipe it with a rag and it's all filthy and nasty and they hang it up. That's where Jesus said, uh, your, your righteousness is nothing as but filthy rags. That's what he's talking about. They wipe their skin. It, it's a painful situation. It, it's a hurting situation. They're, they're all alone and everywhere they got to go, everywhere they say, unclean, unclean, unclean. But somebody had told them about this man, Jesus. They said, hey, there's a man that's doing miracles around here. He's causing the blind to see, the lame to walk. He's even causing dead people to rise again. I'm sure if he can do that, maybe he can help your situation this morning. Jesus came by their way, and these fellas hollered out, Jesus, have mercy on us. When he says, go and show yourself to the priest, I, I, I got to, you know, my mind works crazy when I start reading these things. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I can see that they're yelling at Jesus, have mercy on us. You notice Jesus didn't go over, he didn't say anything, he didn't do anything. He just said, go show yourself to the priest. That's all he said. And as they start walking away, and I imagine they start looking down, say, whew, wait a minute. I don't, I don't have these... My, my fingers are coming back. I don't have these spots on my land anymore. And one of the ten turned around and says, Hey, hey you've done something for me. Uh, you've made me clean. Uh, you've delivered me from my heartaches. Uh, you've delivered me from my sin. Uh, I, I can't do anything but yell and say, Glorify God. I want to worship you. But you realize these are Gentiles. This is Samaritan. They're not Jews. And he falls down at the feet of Jesus. He may have said, bless the name Jesus Christ. He ran to him and fell down and worshipped him. That, that would cause somebody to get excited when they remember what God had done for them and your pitiful sin and your mockery and depravity of life and God reached down and you all covered with sin and he said hey thou be clean and now you're sitting in church and you're singing the songs you got a Bible in your hand that's something you ought to get excited about this morning If you ever see your sin as nasty as these guys seen their sin, if you ever get to the place where you'll see this rotten leper saw, to see your sin has separated you from God. If God would ever come by, and if God would graciously wash you whiter than snow, 
and saved you and delivered you, nobody would have to beg you to give God the glory this morning. Some of you may just give a holy grunt. Nobody would have to beg you to raise your hand. Nobody had to beg you to shout amen because you know what you were. You know where you're heading. Nobody would have to beg you to come to the altar. The problem is, the problem is, when we read about the Samaritan lepers, we first find that they were unclean and unworthy. He wasn't a Jew. But I will tell you one thing about him. He was not unthankful. I may be unworthy. I may be unclean. I'm willing to tell you I am a thankful man this morning. I appreciate the day that Jesus came by this old sinner's way and delivered me from my sins and washed me in his blood. I want to give him glory. I want to magnify his name. I want to lift him up. I have never gotten over the grace of God and what God has done for me. Problem is, we're getting over what God has done for us in our lives. What God has delivered us from our lives. I think the problem of why we don't live for His glory, we don't realize just how much He has delivered us from. 1 Corinthians said, What? Know you that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is you? which you have of God, you're not your own, for you're brought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God. He said, hey, you need to glorify God in your body and in your spirit and remember what God has done for you. That'll make you want to shout this morning. That'll make you want to jump up and just thank God for what he's done for you this morning. Amen? God has delivered you. like to be cheated. God is, we cheat God out of so much today. You go and pay for something, you don't want to get cheated out of it. God has bought us, but yet we, we cheat Him out of our praise and glory of giving Him. And we're bought with a price, and He's just telling us we ought to just praise Him. We ought to glorify Him. Amen. So we ought to praise God because he has delivered us. Amen. Because he bought us with a price. He says, where, where, where's the other nine at? Where's the other, where's the rest of those that, 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 that were got cleansed? Where are they at? I imagine, I imagine they were probably thinking, well, I'm that good. I'm just that good. I deserve to be cleansed. You know, none of us deserve to be cleansed. None of us deserve to be forgiven of sin. But the grace of God, we are forgiven of sins. Amen. So we, we see that we ought to praise God because He has delivered us. We're living for His glory this morning. Look, look at John chapter 11 this morning.
Not only are we supposed to praise God because He has delivered us, this one is kind of a little hard. And I understand. I've been there myself. We ought to praise God and give God the glory in our discouragement. In our discouragement. It's easy for me to live for God when everything's good in my life. It's easy for me to give God the glory and lift Him up when I'm feeling real good about what's going on. But can I say, for me to give Him glory when everything is good in my life is not really giving Him glory. Anybody can glorify God. Anybody can give Him glory when everything's going all right. But when He allows a storm to come to your life, We, we give God the glory because the storm's over our neighbor's house. We, we give God glory because their child was a wayward child. We give God the glory because they're in financial difficulty. It's not in my house. I can give God glory for that. God wants to get the glory even in the discouragement, the pressing states of our life. Yes, I am when we to be bled, praised to glory in everything. Verse 1 of chapter 11. Now a certain man was, man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary which anointed the Lord with an ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now let me stop here for a moment. Chapter 2, do y'all see those parentheses? Does any of y'all Bible have the parentheses on chapter 2? I mean, verse 2. They're in parentheses. Anybody know why they're in parentheses? Let me enlighten you this morning. God is trying to tell you. Martha served God. Mary served God. Lazarus served God. They loved Jesus. Jesus loved them. But what he's trying to tell you, even those people that serve God, walk with God, are still going to have some problems in their life. You're still going to go through some discouragement. You're still going to have some heartaches. You're still going to face the loss of a loved one. Just because you serve God does not mean you exempt. That's why that's in parentheses. Those people serve God. They love God. Amen. Life can't always be ice cream and cookies, can it? I had some butter pecan ice cream last night. And I just ain't gotten over that. Put some chocolate syrup on there. It was good. Verse number three. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold... He whom thou lovest is sick. She knew Jesus loved him. She said it. He whom thou lovest is sick. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Let me just tell you this. The devil will get into your ear. He will allow, it will allow you to uh, sacrifice for him. He said, all those things that you've done for God, 
all that you have done for Him, all those things you sacrificed of yourself for Him. He really don't love you. I know what the Bible tells me. He loves me. But I'm, I'm still in my mind, I'm in the flesh. And none of us has conquered flesh, amen. There are times that I thank God that the devil has got a point. Why does God allow this? Why, why does God allow this discouragement come into my life? For someone who claims to love Him, to serve Him, walk after Him. Why? Verse 4, when Jesus heard that He was sick, the sickness not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified, glorified. Well, you could have fooled me. He's dead. He's not sick. He's dead. So what is he saying? This, he's saying this is, this, this is not the point. It's what he's saying. This ain't the end. The point is, the sickness is not unto death, but to glorify God, and, and the Son of God might be glorified thereby. You say, why would God let this happen? I don't know the whole story. The Bible doesn't tell us the whole story. But I do know this. He's going to get some glory out of it. Somewhere out of the line, somewhere down the road, God is going to get the glory. If you live in your life for His glory, and you stay at His feet, some down, somewhere down the road, you look back and you say, wow, God did that. God brought me through that. God delivered me through that. And by time of discouragement, depressing, all those troubles that come upon me, God delivered me through those things. We don't have the time, but if you go and read chapter 12, they're all sitting around the table. Lazarus, Jesus, Martha and Mary. And they just say, look at Jesus. Ain't he something? Ain't he something? Look what he's, there's Lazarus. And, and the people came by, not just to see Jesus only, but they want to see the man that he brought from, back from the dead. Lazarus sitting at the table too. Can you imagine the people that, well, Lazarus died four days ago. We put him in a tomb. Here he's sitting at the table. This is a sight to behold. This is something I got to go and see. Now, we'll do the same things, right? Somebody dies, the next thing you know, three days later, four days later, say, well, you know what? I ran into him down at the table eating food. Well, I got to go see that. I got to see that. They come to see Jesus, but they come to see Lazarus. And Lazarus says, you know what? They couldn't have got me up. No matter how much they cried, they couldn't pray enough. They couldn't pray enough anointed prayers to get me up. I was holy enough. I wasn't even holy enough to raise myself. 
But this man here came by four days later and got me out of the grave. Look what he's did. Look what he's done. And you know who's getting the glory? It's not Martha. It's not Mary. It's not Lazarus. But Jesus. Jesus gets the glory this morning. I'm telling you, if you want to let him, he will watch you and he'll get the glory from your life. Even in your discouragements. You say, preacher, that's, that ain't real life. That ain't real living. That ain't the way it works in the real world. Oh, yeah? How many of you have been discouraged, depressed, troubled, trials come your way, knocked down, thought you were out? <laughs> Here you sit this morning, you got a Bible in your hand, you're singing the songs. Don't tell me God cannot get the glory from your life, even in your discouragement this morning. You wear it back and you open your mouth and you just say, It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing, I know that God is able in my discouragement, in a time of depressing, I know that God will help me. He'll never forsake me. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I know He's going to be there, but I still live in the flesh. And I'll let, I have to let God take control so He can get the glory this morning. Can I ask you this question this morning? Is your life giving God the glory? I didn't say it was going to be easy for him to get the glory, but is your life giving him the glory this morning? Even in the dark times, he wants to get the glory. You You know, there's many songs that were written that we sing today came out of discouragement, came out of troubles, came out of trials. Many songs we sing because somebody went through a dark time. Don't quit in the darkness. Don't quit the church. Don't quit reading your Bible just because it's dark. Don't say I'm done. To start looking somehow, God, to get the glory out of your discouragement. We see that he should get the glory out of our deliverance. And he should get the glory out of our discouragement this morning. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. We should live for His glory because of our daily lives. Paul is writing to a church that has a lot of problems. This group, uh, they don't think it's no big deal to sin. They don't think it's no big deal to have liquor. They have division. They fuss. They fight among themselves. And what's, what's, what's Paul said in verse 31? This is the verse that every Christian should com- commit to memory. 
Verse 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink little things, or whatsoever ye do, all to the glory of God. This is what Paul is telling me right here. If anything that I am engaged in and I can't give God the glory in it, then stop it. Then stop it. You, you read with that, right? Whatever I'm doing, I should be able to do it to give God the glory for it. I don't know about you. When I read that, I get a little bit convicted. I look through my life. And there's some times that it's not necessary sin. The Bible talks about lay aside all the weight and sin. And weight's not the sin. But things that hindered you from walking with God. And you just lay aside. Paul said, whatever you do, anything and everything, do it all for the glory of God. Have you ever heard anybody ever say this to you? I don't mean to meddle in your business. Well, I'm about ready to meddle into your business this morning. I, I'm curious. When you go to work tomorrow, what's playing on your radio? I, I'm curious. When you get to work, do you stand beside a cooler and tell those jokes? Or listen to them. I, I, I'm curious that if anybody would look at you uh, when you go downtown, they said there's something different about you. Can I say it should be? Because you're to bring glory to God. We're to bring glory to God in everything we do daily. Let me throw some things at you that I know some people just don't do it. We're, we're to bring glory to God in our speech. In our walk. In our dress. Everything we do, everything daily, we're to bring glory to God in everything. And don't say, well, you just go to school and do what you want to do, how you want to do it. You ain't got to worry about that. No, Paul says in everything, every day, our daily living is to bring glory to God. I wonder if you're doing it. Are you bringing glory to God in what you say, where you go, what you wear, what you do? I find this, when we start giving glory to ourselves, in everything that we do, we're not giving God the glory. So we got to back up and say, no, who do I want to glorify? Who do I want to raise up? Certainly not me because I cannot save anybody. I can't save myself. I, I would say I want to glorify the one that delivered me out of my sins I wanted to glorify the one that's with me in my discouragement and my, my disappointments. That's who I want to glorify. We are called to give God the glory 
and our deliverance. We're called to give God and our glory and our discouragement. And we're called to give God the glory in our everyday living. Your, your life should yell. I don't belong to me. I belong to him. People should look at you and say, there's something about you that says you are different from everybody else. Is God getting glory from your life this morning? I, I, I'm talking about me. I, I find that I run through every day and don't give God the glory in things. I find sometimes I don't even give God the glory in my discouragements. I, all I'm doing is thinking about me, my hurts, my needs, my wants. God is having to teach me how to rely on Him more. That it ain't all about me, but giving Him the glory. If you want to find fulfillment in the Christian walk, live a life giving Him the glory. Amen. I read this story. This boy in town, he was a troublemaker in school. He was rotten. Done whatever he could do. Whenever he could do it, just mad. He just wouldn't do what people tell him to do. And one day he's he was going to join the military, and they said, don't do that, because they said, don't do that. He did it. I'm going to show them I'll do what I want to do. Well, years went by, and this man that knew him was in the store, and he saw the man over in uniform, and he looked at him and says, that looks like what you called. And he worked up, looked at him more, and there he was, a man, nice trim cut, and in his uniform and everything. The guy went out that door, and he ran out and called him and said, Hey, are you so-and-so? He said, Yeah. He said, Man, military sure has straightened you up. He said, What? He said, Yeah, military, military life sure has straightened you up. He said, Oh, <laughs> military didn't do that. The guy looked at him and said, What do you mean military didn't do that? You look, look at you straighten up. He said, It wasn't military. See, when I joined, we were sent to combat. And me and this other guy, guy had picked on, ragged on, wasn't very good too and everything. We were both in a foxhole. Enemy fire was coming all over us. And all of a sudden, this grenade landed right in that foxhole. The guy could have got out very easy and saved himself. But he looked at me and I looked at him. About that time, he flopped down on that grenade. And I'm there watching that body pump up and go back down. And he said, I went back to my barracks. And I sat on a bed and I could not get over the fact that this man died for me. I couldn't get over the fact. And it haunted him. I, he said, I can't get over that he died for me. And he lived his life showing the respect for the one who died for him. Are you living your life showing the respect for the one that died for you? That's what we ought to do. Give him the respect. You're bought with a price. He died for you. 
You need to glorify him. Amen. Let us stand.